Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to another episode of Horus Hour. I'm your host, Singh. With me, as always, my venerable sigilite, Varela. Hello there. Varela, how you doing? I'm doing alright. It's a little bit quieter. Oh, I'll get, I'll get the mic closer to me. Hold up. There you go. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, so, we're going to be doing a short story today. We're moving away from the Dark Angels, I'm sure much to your uh, displeasure. Or are you excited to read about some new leads you'll hear about? Nah, yeah, I mean, I'm always excited to read about new stuff, so, yeah. Uh, for some context, you're in progress with Deliverance Lost, is that right? Yeah. Okay. Uh. So some of this stuff will make sense to you already because some of the stuff that we're going to talk about in this short story is sort of revealed relatively early in uh, in Deliverance Lost. I've just finished it. Uh, I'm now on to Vulcan Lives. So, for me, there's sort of a lot of like, aha, uh-huh. I probably should have read this before uh, Deliverance Lost. But you know some of the stuff that's going on. Obviously, the main adversary. Uh, adversary, sorry. Adversary uh, for the Raven Guard coming up. But this is a short story called The Face of Treachery. The Face of Treachery essentially is looking... It's it's quite short, so we'll probably fluff it out a little bit with some talk about Istvan 5 again, um, everyone's favourite mask. But um, The Face of Treachery is very much the orbital battle of Istvan, or at least the aftermath. And... We saw, we covered Raven's Flight, um, which is sort of Korax's perspective uh, in the aftermath of the Dropsite Massacre, how they survive. Uh, and then there's also a look at um, a look at Deliverance, uh, Commander Bran and Valerius, the Prefector who has vision that alert the Raven Guard. And this is basically direct continuation. So it is really nice in that sense. I mean, when it comes to the Raven Guard, it's Gab Forp's world, and we're all just living. Um, I had a look, Varela, and from what I can tell, someone please correct me if I'm wrong, because I never like to be wrong, is I don't think anyone else has written like a deliberate work on the Raven Guard in the Horus Heresy except Gab Thorpe. Uh, I mean, that just sounds like a little bit of negligence towards the the, the birdie boys. What the hell? <laughs> Well, it it'd be it'd be a question for Gav, wouldn't it? If um, it does kind of seem like maybe it, is it he does a really good job, and it to be fair, I think Deliverance Lost was a really good novel, and uh, I'm gonna have to have a long think about it before I give my rating. But uh, you do what you do help but wonder if maybe it was like there was like the initial writers' room, uh, and they're like, okay, who's doing Raven Guard? <laughs> you just hear like a. Uh, me, it's mine in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've you know, I don't think Gav could have written the Raven Guard in such detail and made it so enjoyable if he didn't like. Uh, if he, if for some reason it was literally fine, Gav, you do it because no, no one else is going to. I don't think that's the case. But it is really cool to see a story um, told just by one author because we'll have to come back because basically they do 
we've had Raven's Flight, which is sort of the start of the Raven Guard sort of branch. Then this, then Deliverance Lost, then some other stuff, and then Gav wrote a anthology all about sort of Korax, a lot of short stories all around the sort of events of the Raven Guard and later stages of the heresy. Um, so it, I think it actually benefits in a way. I think there's certain writers have made legions their own. Gav has very much done that because he's just got the Raven Guard in in entirety, basically. Obviously, some people have written with Korax in their novel. Uh, another maybe Raven Guard character, Shattered Legion, but but this you know in terms of mainline Raven Guard, it's all Gav Thorpe. It's like how the White Scars are very much Chris Rates thing. John French with the Imperial Fists for the most part. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really beneficial, I think, to have one author uh, tell that whole uh, storyline. Now, The Face of Treachery, basically, there's not too much actual Raven Guard in it. One of the main sort of characters, I won't call him a protagonist, but is a he's a world eater uh, called Delarat on the Battle Barge. His Battle Barge is called dedicated wrath and when i say will eaters varela what do you think i i think i think of uh blood essentially in it <laughs> just what's it so, yeah and i yeah i have to say that's definitely the case here i don't think i've ever seen a world eater written that's not like outright angry all the time there's sort of one example in the Battle for the Abyss, which I don't cover. But, um, but, and he's like not a complete ass, but the characters sort of all have to be relatively the same, right? Because they've got, they've all got the same giant nails stuck in, I guess. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, You're taking a lot of pauses, man. Come on. You're meant to be okay. telling me a story. Sure, I'll get on with it then. The. Dedicated Wrath has been, is currently, at the start of the short story, is smash and grabbing around sort of Istvan, the various other planets, hunting down the Shattered Legions, so obviously the three actual Loyalist Legions, which were unfortunate enough to be there, the Salamanders, uh, the Raven Guard, and the Iron Hand. And he gets a message, he gets a message from uh, Angron, that basically the Raven Guard are, due, are just like dunking on Perturabo, and Perturabo and his Iron Warriors cannot find, um, can't find them, can't pin them down. And that was something, if you cast your mind back a few months to Raven's Flight, it was the Iron War in the combat scenes, it was the Iron Warriors that were chasing Korak. He was just messing them up and ripping tanks apart with his giant big whip and that's basically so you know same author just makes it very easy to sort of tell parallel stories um so angron is sort of screaming down the microphone that he's going to go and sort these guys out um, and delarax delarax is a bit in the moment so he's like no i'm gonna smash this salamander ship and He's sort of therefore away from the planets. Basically, it's quite important, but he's almost offset from Isfan 5 now. He's chasing these shattered Legion ships about the place in a sort of 
frenzy. He is basically a stereotypical uh, world eater, but again, as we say, with the needles, or the nails, sorry, the butcher's nails, there's no way to sort of avoid uh, that in the plot. Now, cut to the Raven Guard. Now, the Raven Guard have arrived in system, uh, and they're doing how the Raven Guard do. Their, their ships are basically on silent running. It's called quiet running, which I guess is not quite silent, because people would probably die if you went on silent running. And they're sort of drifting towards um, Isfan 5. And also, we have Valerius and his Imperial Army units as well. And the Raven Guard ships are basically much more um, stealth capable compared to the Imperial Army. Yeah, um, they got the uh, reflex shields. That's correct, yeah, yeah. Is that from Deliverance Lost? Uh, yeah, they, they mention it on the Great Escape. That's right, yes. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it. This is what basically that basically picks off right where this leaves it. Anyway, we I digress. So, they confirm that Korax is alive. Basically, pri- the, primary, the primary confirmation is Angron is basically screaming down an open Vox net about uh, how he's going to kill all the Raven Guard. He's like, oh, I got him dead to rights, boys. We're going in. Come and join, you know, come and hang out at these coordinates if you want to kill something. All welcome. Which is not really like Angron, but he's basically got an open invitation. And he's just happened to put on this open Vox transmission, where the Raven Guard are. Um, and again, if you remember in Raven's Flight, basically the, Ra- the Raven Guard are saved right as the World Eaters are about to come in and crush it. Uh, so this is that moment. And Bran's like, well, good job, Valerius. Turns out you're not a complete fucking nutter who's uh, been tripping balls in the bottom of the tower on Deliverance. Turns out you, your visions actually mean something. Um, he still and then Valerius is like well do you trust me now and Brad's like no so okay and so you know to honour Valerius's success Bran kindly allows Valerius's forces without Valerius to go and be a decoy now you'll remember now we're sort of deliverance lost this might be ringing some bells for you now yeah yeah they they go and search for um for a bunch of Imperial Army ships, uh, but they essentially know that they're all dead. Mm. Well, these are those ships, and so... But Bran's like, well, you are you seem like a pretty important guy with all your trip tripping that you do over over so in your sleep, so you come over to my ship, uh, which is the... What's it called? What is the Raven God ship? Uh, I think it's the Avenger. The uh, Avenger, that's correct. Which is also the name of a fighter, isn't it? 40k, I think you can have, like, Avenger fighters. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> so that got me kind of confused. But we move, we move. So they... And all, all, the, and all the while now, Delarax is basically just, like, doing all the wrong thing. So he's told... You know, he's been told, go to Isfan 5. And he's like, no, I'm going to go kill the Salamanders thing. And then he is told to go to he's told to go to search for these decoys and he's like no and all the while there's a um, representative of the war master now we don't know who this person is 
because he basically is sitting in another room and is voxing in or sending a runner to Delarac. Probably probably for the for the best because Delarac just like is a world eater, so I don't think you'd want to tell him no to his face. Um and Yeah, so so there the world eaters can't make up their minds in orbit and the Raven Guard are sort of stealthing in and Valerius has got his ships uh off to die. Congratulations. Sign up for the Imperial Army today. It's a good life. I mean, little quite Starship Troopers vibes, really. Just sort of like, oh, well, off I go to die. Guess I'll die then. Of course, the Krieg origin story right here. (laughs) That's probably, yeah, can you imagine? They fire their escape pods. That'd be quite cool if Krieg was, um, turned out Krieg was in the Istvan system. Alas, sometimes it's not meant to be. Maybe we should make our own, uh, our own headcanon Imperial Guard unit based off these absolute Make a homebrew planet. <laughs> Just a straight up planet. Planet where all the escape pods landed. I'm down. Um, now, where were we? Um, so, yeah. The the, the Warmaster's emiss- emissary is like, really gotta go chase this ship, bro. And he's like, no. I need to go launch an orbital attack alongside Angron. So now he wants to go and hang out with Angron. It must be really frustrating being a World Eaters player slash fan. Like, what's their special ability? Is it like you declare that you're going to do something? When you're playing the board game, you declare you're going to do something, but then the World Eaters have a special ability that they do the exact opposite of what they're ordered to do. They constantly so break like, their own kneecaps. <laughs> yeah. And they all have like, it's like, oh man, I rolled a one on movement. He's had a migraine. You know, he's got a serious headache now because he's got giant nails in his head. <laughs> probably going to need some. Probably going to need a, a sleep and a light. But um, yeah, the he so he's he's adamant he's going to go to to Angron and help. Uh, and then the Alpha Legionnaire really. Uh, now, now, when we're talking, he wants to go help. By the way, he's going to leave the humans to shoot stuff from orbit. He's already getting ready in a drop pod. Uh, or getting his drop pod and his personal bodyguard ready, and I imagine he's just going to land smack dab in like the middle of the Raven Guard is his plan, and just going to he's going to go out sweat. Or he doesn't think he's going out, but I think he'd probably lose that fight. But that he's not going to go and like tactically link up with his legion. No, it's kind of like see what happens, which is again a very world eater thing. Sorry if uh, you're a world eater fan, but suck. Damn. So, Bran's escort fleet is detected. Um, the ships, the Avenger, and the other couple of Raven Guard ships. I think it's a, so. It's a, the Avenger is a battle barge. Delarax's dedicated RAF is also a battle barge, and then but the Raven Guard also have a couple of Space Marine cruisers that also have that. Uh, is it reflex shields? Did you say? Yeah. Yeah, reflex shields that allows them to. Uh, basically go near silent running and and slink through but you know they're detected so obviously they spool up so that they can drop all their ships to recover Korax and they obviously need to clear the near space around the drop around the sort of pickup site so as to be able to escape without coming under fire sound strategy um and who who's 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 close enough now well it's uh Delarax and, in, and the dedicated RAF is the only ship close enough 
uh, to engage the Avenger and and the other ships. Um, now, Horace's Horace's spokesman has been on board this whole time. Hasn't really. We haven't really seen too much of him, but he's still adamant. He's like, you need to go and shoot down these, shoot these humans. These are, you know, the human ships that are off, going off to our homebrew planet. And um, Delarax is, is basically saying, no, I'm going to Angron, and that's final. And it's like, well, then Horace's emissary comes onto the deck. And then Delarax is like looking around. He's like, he's not saying, wait, why did the boss music just start? He's saying, wait, why did the Among Us sound just play? And it turns out that it's not a son of Horus. But, and it, and it, we're not saying that there was any sneakiness involved here, but the emissary is in fact from the Alpha. Um, and, and the Delarax knows this, and he's like, I, you're a weird kid who sits in the corner and does sneaky stuff. I don't care about you. And then all of a sudden, Delarax has had this, um, had this sort of second in command with him. This uh, this whole time, called Cordacid, who's kind of basically been like him, really. You know, he's the one that goes and tells the Alpha Legionnaire to bog off whenever Delarax doesn't want to speak to him. He goes and sends this XO, and then. This XO pulls a gun on Delarax. He's like, time to say goodnight. And then blows Delarax. And it's like the sort of rough extract is Delarax has a very distinct uh, feeling of his skull on one side. You you just hear a Yoda death noise from Lego Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Just sort of like very faintly. If you were outside the ship. You sort of hear it. Or if you're in the corridors, maybe you're in the engine room and down the pipes, you just hear it. I can't do a very good Yoda death noise. But if you know what it sounds like, you know what it sounds like. And, yeah, so it turns out that there's two Alpha Legionnaires on the ship. And, well, luckily now you've started Deliverance Lost and sort of have an idea of where it's going. So, obviously, we know why... Now, why the world eaters were set are now going to go? Because obviously, in the spoilers for Deliverance Lost, only the very start. But the world eaters go on, and as we know, kill all of our potential homebrew soldiers. And should we just call them the homebrews? I think they do the have a name. Homebrews, dude. The homebrews. Uh, okay, they're because I think that they do have an actual. Yeah, they're the, they're they're from Talon, isn't it? Something like that. Unless I don't think they're from Talon. Talon is a, Talon's the, uh, Talon's the desert planet, where they have the massive. Well, what I don't know if it was a desert planet, but it is now, because it got like absolutely, it got glassed by the Iron Warrior. We should do that at some point. We should do the. It's an it's an anthology of short stories. Basically, it's like if seventy three Easting was a planet. Because it's just a massive desert tank battle uh, happens there in the Horus Heresy, and the Imperial Guard fuck up the Iron One. Uh, so that's definitely worth a look. Um, I forget what they're, I forget what they're called. The Therion Cohort. Therion, that's, that's it. Yeah. That's a. Why do I think Talon? 
Starts with the same letter. Must be. <laughs> close enough, eh? Yeah, close enough. Uh, so, yeah, now we know why. Because it's like at the start of Deliverance Lost, we're sort of talking about oh, it's a little bit easy. A little bit easy to get away, isn't it? It's very convenient that this world eater ship's taken all this bait. It's really obvious. But I think because it's a world eater ship, right? They're like, ah, oh, those world eaters. They'll just. You know, whatever's whatever they smell blood, off they go. Silly world eaters. <laughs> if we have any trouble with them later on, we'll just spear them with a tank. Yeah, just <laughs> just carry them away in a tank. Bulldoze. But yeah, I mean, I told you it was a short story. That's essentially that's essentially it. But um, it's a really good, you know, almost like a three-part contingent. Uh, uh, of stories here, you know, the ground escape from Istvan, the space escape from Istvan, and then um, obviously we go into Deliverance Lost, which we'll cover next episode. Is a very interesting book and is basically a big game of Among Us. Now, um, what have you? I mean, we'll talk a little bit about what you thought about the Raven. Let, let's get some opinion off you. What did you think about the Raven Guard before? you went into the Horus Heresy and these stories. Were you uh, sort of a subscriber to their stereotype more than anything else? Uh, depends on what you mean by stereotype. Emo. Emo. Death metal. Well, in a Sad. way, yeah. Like, in the meme way, yeah. I definitely went like, oh, they're kind of emo, but I, I didn't really wholeheartedly subscribe to that because, I, like, in terms of strategy and stuff, I do like the guerrilla style of warfare they they got. Like, if if I were, if I were to potentially have to do something like that, that's definitely what I'd do. I'd follow them like down to the letter, you know. So so I already knew a fair bit about the Raven Guard, even if I didn't know much about Corex. The main stereotype was about Corex, I guess, is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, I didn't see the Raven. Yeah, I didn't see the Raven Guard themselves as emo death metal boys you know um yeah in this book as well in this short story sorry is the first mention technically like chronologically of bran having an actual an actual brother not a battle bro having an actual brother in the raven guard alongside him which i think is an interesting dynamic trying to it rings a bell like that sort of concept is in another legion or another chapter, maybe. Uh, you have one in in the uh, Luna Wolves, don't you? Oh, is that uh, right? Yeah, I think so. There's there's two twins, isn't it? Am I wrong? Okay. I could be wrong. I, I I could swear I remember something like that. I mean, the Alpha Legion's the obvious one. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, well, they anyway. That so that's an interesting dynamic that obviously pans out quite a lot in. Oh, it pans out a fair bit in Deliverance Lost, the sort of idea. And there's and it's sort of that same split in a way, isn't it? It's the not to turn us into the Deliverance Lost episode, but this is the there is a there is a were you on Deliverance during the uprising? Because obviously, I at least I had in the short stories. Now, I had an understanding from dialogue between Bran and uh, Valerius that. You know, Bram was part of the uprising as a kid, and then obviously Agapito, his brother, was also part of that uprising. So there's, it's interesting because in, it means in the books there's still almost like that 
sort of like Caliban Terran thing that we had going on uh, in the Call of the Line that we just covered. And then we you'll know you'll know that in Deliverance Lost, which we'll speak about later, uh, obviously in the episode Lost, also there's the guys who went to Isfan and the guys who didn't go to Isfan, then there's a bit of a split between them. Which kind of, if anything, just sort of gives us an idea of what Istvan 5 must have been like. Because we keep getting the numbers as well. So basically, they get like 1,500 Raven Guard off Istvan 5, maybe, out of basically like 80,000. Uh, so I think the Raven Guard was 80,000 total before they went to Istvan. Obviously, they probably left a few thousand behind, you would hope. Um, and they recover a thousand. So they lose about 77,000 Raven on the Honest Fan 5. Which is definitely a lot higher than I think in Fulgrim it says when the entire first wave is deployed before the traitors come down. There's 40,000 Astartes fighting total. Uh, yeah. Uh, traitor and loyalist. No, no, wait. So, no, no, no. The first number is 70,000 total. Um, oh, if okay. You, if you count both sides. And 40,000 loyalists, is that right? Yeah, yeah. They've definitely upped that a little bit then, eh? Just, just <laughs> so, a little bit, just a little bit. Just a slight, like, basically, they were like, hey guys, great idea. What if we take all the numbers we had so far, just add a zero to them? That would make them a bit... But, you know, we've had this conversation a couple of times, I think, but it's like, for me, I know I think you disagree, but for me, it's the idea that if the legions were that small as they were in Fulgrim, that them splitting into chapters would have a lot less weight because it's like if they were only 10,000 in the first place so it's only like 10 chapters whereas if you're the ultramarines you've got 250,000 to start use that's a lot more advise that by whatever you want do the maths need the, need the gif for Sat Galifianakis the maths um, but you know it also gives you an idea of what Istvan, the weight of Istvan 5, I think, to actually sort of get proper numbers. Not just like, oh, they were devastated. It's like, oh, well, you now you actually have... You don't, you know, Corex doesn't even need the Codex Astartes now. At the end of this short story, he's got... He's basically only got a chapter's worth of guys anyway. Which, um... Which really makes you realise sort of how impactful Istvan 5 was. And I, I remember we actually sort of talked about Istvan and sort of where the heresy was at after we did Raven's Flight, because Raven's Flight was a really short story, so we doubled up the episode as, ooh, let's talk about the heresy so far. And I've now realised that since that episode, I don't think we've really gone anywhere. No, yeah, we're essentially at the same spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly where we were. We did, well, we did, uh, we did Prospero. Oh no! Yeah, so we we done prosper. Well, hang on. Since no, since the Ravens flight, we haven't moved. <laughs> if anything, we just went back with Descent of Angels. We went back and um, to pre heresy. So, I guess I mean, we've got some to make this an episode worth listening to. We've got like ten minutes to kill. Is there anything in the Horus Heresy you want to talk about? At the end of every episode, you're always talking about stuff that we that I forgot to talk about. So, seize your moment, Varela. I mean, in this what case, I can't do that. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be about a Raven Guard now. Uh, I, I, I do want to point out how um, tanks and the World Eaters have essentially become 
uh, our own little Team Rocket defeat uh, little thing, you know? <laughs> Whenever one of them shows up, he's got to get carried away by his spiked fucking tank, dude. <laughs> yeah, why did it, that would have been a much cooler way to reveal the Alpha Legion gap. Delarax refuses the order and a land raider just bursts onto the deck and just <laughs> rams him and drives out the uh, drives out the viewing port. Delarax goes out into space. <laughs> that, Driving off again. Then next book he comes back somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, dude. Someone, you know, Darth Vader got found in a short story. Or not even a short story. That was in a book I read called Lost Stars. It was a very good Star Wars book. But that's like, uh, it's like some junior Imperial officer and they're like, you've got to go recover this spacecraft. And then they open it and it's just spinning, you know. And they recover it and Darth Vader's in there. He's like, finally. So maybe maybe, or maybe that's uh, some extra lore for our homebrew Imperial Guard. Maybe Delarax lands there. Maybe he's, maybe it's like a traitor guard. Delarax lands there on a land raider. Or rather, a land raider lands on Delarax. As he lands on the planet, he's obviously stuck to the front of it. So there you go. Maybe their traitor guards been started up by the uh, by the world eater, who, who I like to think would have no concept of time. So he's just constantly, because obviously they've landed with basically nothing, right? Because they're all in escape pods, so they've got to learn everything again. And so Della, you know, it's like a thousand, like it's like forty k, and they've just like launched their like Apollo mission equivalent to go to another planet in the system. And Delarax is like, hurry! Those salamanders are still getting away. Yeah, his, his <laughs> sole objective is to join um, Angron on this Fan Five. Still, he's just like, I need to drop onto those Raven Guard right now. <laughs> Get yeah, me up there. Land, <laughs> lands there. There's like some wreckage, a couple of like imprints where the Raven Guard landers were. And he's just he's just drop potted in. He's like so ready for it. Nothing. Another. He like some dead Raven Guard, and he's like, finally. Smacking like broken pieces of armor into a pulp. Hell, I dig it. Where's Warhammer 40k comedy where it when it's needed? <laughs> but anything, anything else in the Horus Heresy? You don't. I mean, obviously, you know we can't spoil Deliverance lot. But is there any anything you want to talk? I I don't think so. I I, I honestly can't remember anything. Do you not have anything you can talk about in the Horus Heresy right now? I mean, loads. Why? Why not? Ultramarine. Oh no! I regret. Pretty cool. I huh? regret everything. How excited are you for the Ultramarines books? I can just elu- I can just spend like ten minutes alluding to how great the Ultramarine books are going to be, without spoiling. But uh, <laughs> okay, here's a question. So obviously, currently, I have had a lot of my sort of expectations subverted by the Horus Heresy book. I think they're some... The Horus Heresy, I wouldn't actually say are like a good starter way into Warhammer 40k. I think you need to go to Warhammer 40k, learn all of the stereotypes that they've become in 40k, and then you go back to 30k and read about how cool everything was um, with the Horus Heresy. So... My question to you would be, what Legion has subverted your expectations the most? The Space Wolves, by far. Okay. Prospero Burns was like... It it literally grabs those expectations you have with the Space Wolves, right? 
and while it feeds some of them, like the space viking kind of vibe sticks, right? It, it also just goes like, yeah, no, you're an idiot. Like, you think that, but that's because you don't know it. Here's what we really are. And then they're just like intelligent space vikings instead of rabid space vikings. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it was like the ultimate subversion because it was done through essentially the eye of a 40k fan, basically through the remembrancer. Yeah. I, so it was almost like we were that guy. Yeah. And it was the book was talking at us rather than you know, to us. You get my drift. Yeah, and he, he was a relatively relatable guy as well, so it really felt like you, you weren't reading the book, it was more like you were witnessing the book, uh, if you know what I'm saying. Because, like, he was, he was a really, you know, sensible, filled with common sense guy, I guess. Like, he wasn't that, that's, you know, normal human in 40k just that just goes, like, in a horror movie... Oh, th this door, th you know, th there's something on the other side, and it sounds real bad. I'm gonna go in. No, if he saw that, he'd go like, "Yeah, no, I'm out of here. Screw this," <laughs> you know. That's right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So the space wolves. Interesting. Yeah, I think the Raven Guard for me. To sort of keep it relevant. A little bit is. Doing a pretty good job. I mean, I really didn't sort of expand my mindset when I was playing 40k as a kid, so sort of like quick YouTube videos are all you've really got to, all I really had to go off before I started Horus Heresy. But I do like, I think I do like them. I think if we, if I got like a full look at all the faction, all the legion, and I got to like start a new army, if they had some better units, because unfortunately they're a little bit underloved in the on the model side of thing the raven guard i think are actually really cool i think the i mean first off i think the beaky helmets are iconic and actually look really badass as much as i love mark 2 i think it probably goes like for me my favorites are like mark 2 mark 3 although mark 3 doesn't really count so it's mark 2 and mark 6 in terms of mark 2 is the best and then mark 6 is just below it so I don't know if you saw some potato picks a few weeks ago that went around. There was a lot of Mark Six in that, so maybe now might be a good time to start playing Raven Guard. But I like, you know, it's the attack, withdraw, attack again. It's not like attack them once and then run away, which is sort of, you know, sort of their vibe. Um, yeah, no, they have actual guerrilla warfare behind them, which makes sense considering um, what. Korax had to do on Lycaeus, uh, which is now Deliverance, which mm. was that the whole uprising, which I, I won't talk about anymore because <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I never thought about Space Marines as guerrilla guerrilla warfare experts, but I I guess if I was to ask to be like to to describe the Raven Guard to some in three words, it would probably be guerrilla warfare expert. So they, you know. I guess for direct comparison, who who like compares directly with the Raven Guard? In I guess in the Traitors, it's kind. It's not really the Night Lords, is it? Their Primarchs are very similar, but and they both grew up in caves. But uh, I mean, the Night Lords are pretty similar. Yeah, even in tactics, because it's the whole hit and run thing. But instead of being usually being on the defensive, it's not really. 
I don't know how to, how to put it because it is guerrilla warfare, but usually guerrilla warfare. They're terrorists, Varela. Yeah. The night lords are straight up terrorists. Yeah, yeah. And like... In the sense of like not like they remind you of any particular real world group. In the sense of they use terror to achieve their goals, not the planet. They uh, they just generate so much fear within the population that the whole let's say they're trying to get a world to comply, that world essentially combusts in on itself. They so discourse fear. And that leads to chaos foreshadowing um, for their legion there. And that's what falls, makes it fall apart. So I guess, in a, in a way, they do attack, withdraw, attack again. But when they withdraw, they just leave loads of dismembered bodies for everyone to find, whereas the Raven Guard are pretty clean about it. And just one guy to who they say, tell everyone what you saw here. <laughs> they just, like, boop his nose and then leave. <laughs> Walk out. That proper rile me up. Don't actually be scary. Do loads of scary stuff and then be really kind to me. And I absolutely cracking my boots. They uh, yeah, and and obviously they're not quite like the the white scars either. That's like at face value, sort of they're both sort of relative. But the the white scars, I'm sure, are going to be very attack focused, bike focused, and the Raven Guard don't really have like. I haven't really got a sense yet that they're drawn to like a particular unit, like other like other legions are, like out the White Scar bikes and the Imperial Fist walls, and Iron Warriors and their tank. I don't know. Have you sort of caught that vibe? Not necessarily just from the books, but from your your like knowledge of a Raven Guard. I, I mean, from what I can tell, they don't have a lot of assault marines and seem to favor tactical marines, and that's about it, really. Because you know, for a good ambush you preferably want to be able to get out of there not not get you know stuck in melee right. so it, it would make sense for them to focus on tactical marines even though that's like the more boring focus you could have um oh. but it, it is what it is you know it's tactically sound so yeah i think rebute gilliman would like to know your list. <laughs> why is it why is that because tactical he's like tactical life yeah, you know, they're, I did use adapted. the word boring, so this this does um this does apply pretty well. Oh, uh, got it. Well, you gotta do tactical things like that. <laughs> I I like in uh they're not called Devastator Marines in 30k. They're called Destroyers, much cooler. And I think every legion is sort of uh, the sort of norm is to actually paint your destroyers in black, no matter what legion you are. So that's pretty. So the Raven Guard are Some, already ready. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe they do. Maybe they do it different. I'd have to look in the book. I'd have to go to the Black Library. Find out. I think they probably do paint them color, but they have like they might not even call them destroyers, do they? Because they have. Uh, I, I think at least post Istvan they reorganize themselves into the Talons, the Hawk. And he does that. He does that honest van. So yeah, he in does that Raven's while he, flight. Yeah, he does that while he runs away as well. Uh, when he yeah. links up with Bran. I'm just confirming. I'm not just spoiling Deliverance Lost by saying these things. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. You know, it's a tough episode when it's such a short story to not just start talking about Deliverance Lost. But uh, I'm kind of. Are you excited to to do Deliverance Lost? Are you enjoying it so far? Yeah, it's being a pretty good book so far. You know. Um, how far through? Uh, I I mean, 
I'd, I'd have to kind of spoil it. But, oh, okay. Uh, well, don't let's just say a major obstacle has just been defeated, and now they have, uh, they have <laughs> essentially baby juice in their hands. Okay. Okay. So you're like probably like halfway through. Yeah, a little bit over. So, so it'll be interesting to see where you're at next week when we do cover the deliverance loss and see what you're gonna rate it about myself. It's good. It's a tough one, but I do. You know what? I do actually quite. I'm quite obviously doing Vulcan lives now. Looking at the salamanders, I'm starting to dig for shattered legion. I think the iron hands. I feel bad. They're like basically hardly represented now because they sort of just thrown into the shattered legions with all the uh, with all the other pe- other peeps. Although the salam the salamanders, I think, come off the worst. And well, the iron hands and. So the, the Iron Hands actually come off the worst, don't they? Because they led their 10,000 Terminators right into the heart of the enemy. Yeah, losing 10,000 suits of Terminator armor was a real hit. Not just for the, the Iron Warriors, but... Not the Iron Warriors. Oh, God. The Iron Hands, but the entirety of the Imperium. Nobody's got Terminators no more. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, isn't there a meme in 40k about Bane Blades being stolen? Is that a thing? Uh, you heard that one? Maybe the Blood Ravens are... Have that mean? I think it's a. I think it's an Armageddon thing. Like they get stolen by the. Oh, well, like you're still everything. Blades. <laughs> a thousand vein blades. Uh, yeah. So, so obviously the the Iron Hands are absolutely mangled. The Salamanders are not definitely do not do do hot. I mean, this this is not the first time we've covered this fan five, and I guarantee you it won't be the last. I mean, we've only. We've got it from Fulgrim's perspective. We've got it from... Well, in Fulgrim itself, it covers Fulgrim. It covers... I think we get Ferris Manus's perspective, don't we? Uh, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Or the, uh, at, least his, at least the leader of his 10,000 Terminator. Uh, I think you get both of them. Well, it's not really a first-person perspective, but it's like a, oh, yeah, this is what was happening with him. Um, Where do we get a look at the... Yeah, when when they realize that they're betrayed, I think it's Ferris. Yeah, it's Ferris that that sees it, or we see it yeah. through Ferris's eyes, or something like that. Then we we get it through. We get we get it through the Raven Guard, in Raven's flight, and we get it through the Salamanders in Vulcan Lives. Not to spoil that too much, and then there's still at least one more coverage of Isvan Five to go. And let me just say, you might get a whiff of cheese when you see that, when you read that perspective. All their tanks running off fumes. Mature cheddar. It's just yellow smoke. Damn, dude, that'd be a tough, uh, be a tough army to work in. Be always hungry. But let's just say that the final perspective that I know of that covers this fan five after Vulcan. They're big fans of Ratatouille the film. Damn. If you know, you know. Excellent book. And I'm sure we'll cover it soon. But I mean, we're we're sort of at the short story finish line. I gave you the opportunity to say whatever you wanted. And, uh, and I didn't take it. I'm sorry. <laughs> didn't take it. End of every episode, you're like, oh, here's 16 things that you missed that reached several pages. Can we talk about those, please? <laughs> but no, now we're sitting here. It's, you know... It'd be like if I told you you had, like, 10 seconds to name World Capital. 
sometimes people have you ever seen that and people just can't do it they just deer in the headlights moment I've done that to you I didn't give him a heads up guys I'm sorry I'm sure you would have had a big list if I told you like three minutes before we start I'd have a so, notepad uh, open just occupying my entire screen <laughs> yeah you'd probably have a novel longer than Fulgrim <laughs> ready to go in terms of things you wanted to talk about but I mean, I won't drag I won't drag it out any longer. This was a short story episode covering the uh, the escape of a Raven Guard and leads us directly into Deliverance Lost, as mentioned several times, covering this week. So I hope you enjoyed this little stopgap episode. I hope it was a little bit refreshing before we go into more pain and disappointment for uh, for our loyalist legion as they tried their very hardest to do something to stop Horus. And on that note, it is goodbye from me and from Varela. I'll see you. Goodbye now.